0: Expanding our knowledge through those amongst us is a privilege we take for granted. Join me as we explore the minds of our fellow beings to unlock their knowledge for ourselves. It is time for a guest entry. But first, a quick disclaimer. Most of the guests I've had on were recorded through Discord due to us being long distance. If the quality dips, it's due to my connection. But I hope each of these conversations brings you new knowledge of the creative and cultural arts. Today, you get to hear about some topics I haven't been dove into throughout this podcast. To discuss art in the digital realm, specifically for 3D pieces, I have on Zorax, a 3D artist that creates his own alien creatures and recreations of bolt-action firearms, along with other weaponry of the fantasy genre. In this discussion, Zorax enlightens me on the deepened intricacies of workflow within the 3D landscape. So without further ado, here is our conversation. Today I have on a new guest, Zorax. Is that how you pronounce it? Zorax. Yes. Awesome. And yes, that is right. You are a three D artist. Actually, can you tell us a little bit about about your background?
1: Yes. Hello. I'm Zorax. I do three D digital artwork and I primarily do like characters and weapons. As for characters, I usually do something Non-human characters, yeah, and um, the weapons I make, I usually focus on like kind of like old, older uh, bolt-action rifles. Hmm. Although I've done like swords and stuff like that as well.
0: So, do you do you focus? your are focused mainly on three D art rather than two D. Yes. What what brought you to so, that? What brought you to that space?
1: So kind of funny actually um I think the very first time i touched uh 3d art was when i was like a kid i played like roller coaster tycoon 3 oh, do you remember that game
0: yeah yeah i remember that game there was a there was yeah, also so, this thrillville i think it was called i i had that game it was like a like a roller coaster well, it was a theme park version of like a tycoon game but you could actually go in as as one of the one of the characters who just goes goes through, and you can ride on the roller coasters as a character.
1: <laughs> I think I remember my brother playing that one actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon Three. basically like a theme park manager. And um, one thing I started doing was downloading custom scenery. Hmm. Basically, like, kind of like extra packs of uh models that you can add to your park to. Kind of customize your park, yeah, more of how you wanted to, um, and I wanted to try making it as well. So when I started looking at programs. I think one of the f- I saw a few recommendations for like four different programs. I think one of them was Blender, and I remember downloading it and looking at that interface because this is like pre-version two point five, and it looked horrific. I don't know. If you've Ever seen older versions of Blender? The interface looks
0: ridiculous. I've actually never seen any interface of Blender. Um, curious,
1: okay, <laughs> yeah. It's especially if you look at it like nowadays. Now, obviously, Blender looks very different today, but when I saw it back then, it's, it was terrible. I was like, I don't know what to do with this, I don't know to do anything. Uh, so I actually ended up using something called uh, Milkshape for a little bit, I just used like the free trial. And I made like a cube and imported it. But then I didn't really have any technical knowledge about how to do any 3D. So I kind of just left that that. And Gears 1-5, I didn't, touch, I didn't touch artwork at all. However, um, there was one instance back in 2012. I went to kind of like a, a game tournament that was in, in town. Yeah, it was the IGN Pro League. It was IPL four, oh,
2: that's wow.
1: what it was called. Yeah, so they had like uh, they were hosting a League of Legends tournament and uh, oh, yes. StarCraft two.
0: Those, those are ooh StarCraft two.
1: Yeah, that's cool. They're both, yeah, both those there, and then they also, they're also showing a game called uh, Shoot Media, which was like a yeah, it's a first person shooter. But um, while I was there, I think like the last day, there was a, there was a random artist that was there, was a character from League of Legends that you wanted. I was like, hey, can you draw me uh, Timo? And he did. He, and apparently the artist, he's, he would never saw League of Legends characters before. He kind of looked up a reference on his phone. He was like, oh, okay, oh,
2: yeah. look it up.
1: <laughs> and he drew it in like 10 minutes.
2: Wow.
1: Not even. I was just amazed by that. I was like, wow. I kind of want to draw. I kind of want to be able to do something like that myself. Yeah. And however, I I didn't really have any artistic training. Maybe I took like a few art classes in middle school, but that was nothing close to really drawing any kind of characters or anything like that. But the only experience that I had was with 3D software. At this point, um I went and took a look at Blender again and I was like, Wow, I can actually kinda of look through this interface. I think the version I was at was like two point five something. And they updated the overhauled the interface yeah, at that yeah. point. So it yeah. looked a lot better.
0: <laughs> after a few after a few years, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh god, they better but um, People people still say, like, oh, compared to other programs, it looks atrocious, but, God, it wasn't, it wasn't like before, but, um yeah, I started to try and use that, I think, I was, like, 14 at the time, hmm. and I actually tried, the first thing I tried doing was, actually made, like, a weapon for Team Fortress 2.
0: Oh, I remember that game, gosh, dang, that brings yeah. me back. I remember there there was a, this space yeah. where there was a bunch of computers and 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 I would go there with my friends and we'd all just get on the computers and just start playing Team Fortress Two, and then the zombie <laughs> game too. I forget what zombie uh, Left for Dead. Left for Dead. Yeah, Left for Dead. Yeah, that that was it. Yeah, but go on, go on. Sorry. Yeah,
1: and worries. Yeah, I mean a weapon for that just with whatever modeling understanding that I had. And it looks at least for what, it, for really my first time really using blender. I kind of just like worked on it like three days straight. Oh wow. And it looked okay. Now compared to the other stuff on the Steam Workshop. I'm like, yeah, it was no comparison, but it was an all right effort, but I really wanted to do characters. Yeah. So, um, and so I started taking tutorials from this one website known as uh, CG Cookie. I think at the time it was just Blender Cookie because they just made uh, Blender tutorials. Hmm. Uh, CG Cookie still around today, but they do they do more than just like Blender stuff. They also do like uh, 2D digital drawing and even traditional uh, 3D like clay. Wow.
0: Kind of interesting. So, but, you, um, did you ever try it, did you pro- ever make stuff with clay, or like it, 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 was, was that how you kind of? start out or not you already had you already had um, yeah in a background in, in all that design
1: yeah well I didn't start out that way I did actually take a uh, ceramic class oh, yeah? like later in my school yeah that's cool kind of ties into this actually um but I was like two or three years later okay compared all this
0: yeah I, I, so, um, I'll, I'll let you keep continue going sorry
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like uh was it? Yeah, I started taking tutorials from them, and I think one tutorial I really tried to hyper focus on eventually, after kind of like trying to get down the basics, was uh, they had a tutorial on how to do a realistic head from scratch. It was like a ten video tutorial. Each each video was like fifty minutes, oh jeez, for the most part. Now, now with the first video, um, it really Most of this video series kind of just covered the workflow. Yeah. They go through or to like, it didn't really cover down so much the specifics, which later they would actually do like a a full blown, like a character tutorial, like from scratch, like a whole body, starting from concept art and stuff like that. But um, I tried doing the head for a little bit and... I think, as I discussed with somebody else, it's like, yeah, you know, the stuff, the stuff you kind of do first, especially in 3D, like, it's going to look pretty cursed. <laughs> so it's kind of like that for me for like the, f- the first three years. Yeah. Doing, trying to do character modeling. But I was starting to get a grasp of it, uh, getting better looking models. Now, I never studied anatomy, probably would have helped, but I eventually got, got a grasp of it.
0: Yeah,
1: but um,
0: I mean that that's probably well, that's probably why you you, do, you focus more on non-human characters, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, and, um, well, what was it? I think I, I probably probably would have helped if I focused on human characters first as well. because yeah. I'm like, yeah. you know, any all, all the tutorials out there, they're they're for they're for human characters, and it's like adapting that to a non-human character. It's kind of for one, it it could be kind of unique. It's like and they don't dis- they don't discuss the nuances you might face when you you deviate from the human form a little bit.
0: Yeah.
1: Also, the other thing is, uh, you get to things like rigs. Uh, uh, basically, rigs are kind of like a like the skeleton of a character hmm. that you can use to control how they move and stuff like that. Oh, sorry about the dogs.
0: <laughs> no worries. No I don't think you can
1: hear
2: that. Yeah.
1: Um, but what is that? All the all the rigs, the like add-ons that basically do a complete bipedal rig for you for like a human character, like the full thing. And you know, it's it's set up primarily to just do whatever's on the human.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. When you start adding extra things, you gotta kind of figure that out on your own. So, but, uh, what is it? I did the realistic head. Uh, sorry, what did you gonna say? Uh,
0: so with your with your three D art, is, is it? are they are they based off of like st stl file files where you can actually like print them out like in 3d format like is, is that possible or is it mainly just like like more like video video game art like with the 3d uh so that you could do like like game development and all that stuff
1: um i think for the most part now I guess if I was gonna do game development I would have to tweak my models a little bit yeah just to like optimize them but for the most part I guess my models kind of fall into a category where like, if you're going to do like a short movie
0: oh okay
1: so they're okay. kind of like higher gonna say higher quality but yeah um, it's higher definition I suppose
0: okay so like, like, a game
1: you'd probably try, like, a,
0: like an animated or, short film or something like that yeah, yeah. okay now that's, that's I could cool.
1: I could export any kind of model that I want to to an SDL file and yeah. then attempt to print it, print
2: it Oh that'd be
1: cool. Um I know that takes a little yeah, that takes a little more setup because if you have, if you have clothes, you have to make sure that it's like I forget I forget what the word. I think that they just say a watertight model. So basically uh, there okay. can't be any like small gaps or things like that. It has to be completely closed. Yeah. You have to make sure about that. It's not too difficult to do, but it's like an extra step that you have to take care of
2: so, um yeah
0: so with with this like with this what have you ever done to dim like have you ever tried do, doing 2d art where you just kind of like i don't know if digital art or just doing sketches or anything like that like what's the difference between 2d and 3d
1: well 2d still kind of ties in to 3d and like i said i was doing i did that realistic head tutorial, and then they had the full-blown uh, character modeling tutorial. Yeah. Um, and the big, the big thing they emphasize is always use references. Now, it doesn't always have to be like a sketch reference, um, but in cases where you get like modeling sheets and stuff like that, that'd probably your, be your best case scenario yeah. if you're doing characters, but even anything else in 3D. It's like even if you're drawing up a scene, they always recommend to do, like, a sketch to, like, kind of place where things should be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then the biggest thing is because, you know, sketching is a hell of a lot faster. And also, I yes. <laughs> think from my, from my own experience, is just um, there's specific shapes you might need that are easier to, I guess, search for while drawing out on paper than it is to try and, like, sculpt it and then get it wrong like a hundred times in a row. <laughs> so trying to, I guess, draw it out and then try to like mo- model or sculpt based on that outline helps okay. a lot more, especially yeah. the beginning.
0: Yeah. Like, like plant, you don't have out- a graph of, like, yeah, it's, all, it's like, it's like planning out the piece before, before you actually start like working on it. Like as a writer, you, you, you can either go head first into it, but most, most likely you're going to end up like, messing up a few continuity errors and in and, and all this stuff but if you had a, an outline beforehand you it's it's easier to kind of go from that and have a plan beforehand anything like plan, plan it out before beforehand <laughs>
2: yeah
1: it's weird though i remember actually saw somebody uh they were talking about bad writing advice on uh mine actually and they were like you know like yeah they are like you know I feel like writing outlines, and it could have just been this person. Like you know, writing outlines, it just makes your it makes your story too stiff. Like especially if you're just following following the the outline.
0: Yeah. Maybe now, of course, I don't
1: have experience writing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you you want to be able to to branch out of like if if you're so how bent on staying within the confines of whatever you like the parameters that you've set for yourself, then it's not going to be, you have to go outside the box. It's like you, you built a box for yourself and you're not going outside the box. <laughs> go outside the box.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: try try different things. Yeah. I'm like,
2: I,
1: yeah, I'm like, I guess that outline is still useful, but it's like, you gotta, it's like, all right, you gotta, as, as the creative process goes, you gotta break out of it.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: More often than not.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, Sorry, we 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 kind of went off the beaten path on, on that. See, tangents. We go on tangents uh, <laughs> here at our anthologies. But uh, I forget where you where you last left off in your story. Um, you were talking about the
1: character modeling process. Yeah, or the, uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, when you drawings started, compared to
0: when you started doing character mo- modeling. Um, I think you were talking about uh, school. And how you took a class. You took ceramics classes and stuff.
2: Oh. I took ceramics
1: class. Now, ceramics one, that was actually pretty fun. The introductory to just like making stuff with clay. Yeah. Um, I think the, the big project we made at the end of the year was like this, like a Southwest style uh, pot that we did. Yeah. That took like a few months.
0: <laughs> I bet that got, got pretty messy too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, your, your took hands. a while.
1: I remember just coming in, coming in. Now some people that are, they like kind of squeezed it together. I remember somebody was like, "This was crazy. I didn't put like too much effort into it anyways, yeah. but like <laughs> I think they it was on their desk or stuff like that, and then they walked away and just like fell over onto the ground <laughs> <and> shattered
2: <laughs> oh, like, oh
1: my goodness,
2: gosh,
1: but um, was it balanced or something but um, I think the year after that, um oh. I think this this was the this is the end of my junior year of high school. I remember played this one MMO that summer. Uh it's called Wildstar. Wild I don't Star. even remember that. I,
0: I, the only MMO that I focused on was Star Wars of the Old Republic. So <laughs> that was my MMO. <laughs> <laughs> but Wildstar, is that uh, like, a, like, a, like a like a wild like Western or something? Wild West?
2: It
1: was uh it was like a sci fi Western. Oh, that sounds kind cool. of cool.
0: Wild star. Um, Gotta look that
1: up. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Um, fortunately it's not around anymore. Oh, dang. Hit a, yeah, it kind of went into the sand pretty fast, unfortunately. Apparently, there's some issues with the company, but I digress. But um, I played that game for a little bit, and one of the races they had was actually kind of like, called them Orin, but it was like, I was like cat people. They had like tails and ears and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, uh, I decided to model that character, model my character from that, all the way from scratch. And it took, I spent like, I want to say like five months on it. Oh wow! Really, one of my longest. It was one of my first long projects.
0: And and that's your like that's your main character, right?
1: Yeah. Now now looking back, I'm like, yeah, it probably looks kind of bad, but <laughs> honestly, it was like for one of my first. Complete attempts at a character, pretty good, and I kind of just kept building off of that process. Yeah. The big thing is just, um, I guess if like you know if you're compared to drawing or something like that, probably would have been a lot faster for for one part, but um, also for me, I had to do I had to go I went through the entire process. I went I had to start from the base model and then sculpt the body, the head, do all the clothes. Um, and then after that, I, I, I did rigging and okay. then posed the character and did all the materials. Materials being like how, how the surface of those models look. Yeah. And then I made a scene. I remember I had to do it on my laptop because my main computer crapped itself. Oh, dang. And the render took that- <laughs> the render the render took like seventy. Five hours or something
0: like that. <laughs> so, the, your laptop was probably like going, like going at like
2: on fire. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, i'm like, if I wanted to do like the same image, it'd probably take like maybe like two or two three hours or something like that. Maybe less than that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Because so, things have have improved dramatically.
1: yes yeah. My my yes, my hardware situation has also improved a lot.
2: That's good.
0: And I guess
1: that's another difference to point out, it's like especially if you're going into two D compared to three D. Two D you don't know, the hardware that you need isn't doesn't have to be as crazy as in three D. Now you can probably go into the same go you go you can go into three D work
2: yeah.
1: with the same hardware or whatever. But it's like when you start getting to like more complicated scenes or models it really starts struggling along.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like even now, I think I'm like, I need to, I need to upgrade again. This is, it's getting too slow. There's too many, there's too much stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: Going but, on. Uh, now, upgrading now, nowadays is like expensive because every, everyone's buying, yeah. buying shit up.
1: Oh, God, God, there's also a massive shortage or something. Kind of just waiting for that to blow over. Yeah. yeah. If it ever does. But If it ever
0: does. <laughs> it's the times we're, we're living in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Big thing, Big, big improvement that 3D has made compared to back then is that um, a lot more people or a lot more render engines are using uh, GPU rendering oh,
0: cool. instead
1: of CPU. Yeah.
0: What's What's the so, difference between between those two for for people who don't understand so, what CPU and GPU are?
1: <laughs> um, I guess on the technical side of things, um, CPU, CPUs, now you definitely need a CPU in your computer because it has functions on there that are required for running an operating system. But compared to a GPU, the GPU has significantly many more cores that are dedicated to just doing simple math operations okay. or vector math operations. Which, if you're running a render engine, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is basically solving it is basically solving an integral equation over and over again.
0: Oh, dang! Yeah,
1: and yeah. Um, the way, the, way this, the render engine that I use works, it's known as a path tracer, in this case, it's uh, the Blender Cycles render engine that's built in the Blender now. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: what it does is it tries to, basically, it's trying to determine what color every pixel in the image should be based on the things that are in the scene. So what it'll do is it'll fire out an imaginary light ray from the camera. So basically, it's like a camera working in reverse where light rays come from the camera and it tries to bounce its way to a light source. Oh. And if it can't, yeah. And if it can't find a light source after a certain number of bounces, then it just renders black. Um, If it does find a light source, it determines, it does all the math to determine what, what color that pixel should be, and then applies that color. Now, imagine doing it once for every pixel. The problem with this process is that when it when it hits a surface, um, there's there's some amount of randomness to which direction it's going to bounce.
2: Yeah.
1: Because in real life, say like matte matte objects that are not shiny, when light hits it, it gets diffused. Uh, it it basically kind of like spreads out into multiple directions, and that's why it looks like that matte surface, as opposed to say something that's a mirror where it bounces off and goes directly off the surface in almost a completely uh same ray, so to speak. But um. Because of this, because of this random process you get you get a bunch of pixels that did get light and a bunch of other pixels that didn't yeah <laughs> so uh, what it does it, it it does it again for the entire image
0: holy crap now usually that it'll must... do it for
1: like a square at a time
0: yeah, okay, so like it kind of does it in, in different sections of, of the image yes. and then it will do it all together at the end, something like that
1: yeah so yeah so it'll it'll typically the process does it like one square at a time okay now if you have like uh i guess the one advantage compared to cpu and gpu is that uh each square can be uh handled by a single core on the cpu so if you have or at least I shouldn't say single core but a single thread um so say if your cpu has eight threads you can have eight squares rendering at the same time hmm. But a GPU usually handles only like one at a time. However, it is a lot faster at it because the GPU is much more suited for just doing lots of math calculations at once, wow. which is necessary for something like this. Um, yeah. But yeah. But basically, what it does, um, you know, you have that you have that noise that builds up because you have a bunch of black spots on the image that you don't want. So basically it then runs the same algorithm again. And then the new result, it averages, it averages with the previous result. Each of these results is known as one sample. Now, technically if your samples goes towards infinity, you get a perfect image, but nobody wants to wait for that. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) so basically you kind of just go to a point where it looks good enough and then it'll take the, the The complete image will be the average of all samples together.
0: Okay. Yeah. Are, and are there times where where the the pics, like the the rendering doesn't match up with like the the light just will will show more black spaces that than anything else because they like the rendering just didn't add up right or something like that with the GPU or does it usually like does it usually work itself out?
1: It usually works itself out. Oh. Um, and it's actually pretty crazy because now they have like uh, denoising algorithms. Because that? you know, there's just there's just some there's just some things that you render like yeah. smoke. Smoke is really can get really noisy. It can be really bad. Um, just like any kind of like uh, volume or volumetric, where instead instead of like bouncing off a surface, it has to go through a volume and then get refracted and go through smoke, go through fire, things like that. Um, I know path tracers generally have problems with glass um, because something like caustics, for example, like light bends around in a glass. Let's say you have like a focused light ray through a, uh, like a glass yeah. cup or something like that. Uh, sometimes it can get bent in such a way that like the, the light gets magnified to a specific spot. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: problem with Problem with that is I guess in a path tracer, it has lots of problems trying to figure out how to do that properly. Or if it like if, if it has any kind of magnification magnification of light, sometimes you have pixels that are way too bright on the image. I don't know if you've ever seen that. They call them like fireflies.
0: I I, I think I've kind of like a I, I've taken pictures where like the the light shines in a specific way, and it's and it actually sometimes sometimes they they work out, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's like oh, it's too bright. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: and honestly, like it's something like Blender. I've, you just there's actually a lot of ways to just break physics and not care about how the renderer handles it kind of just yeah. take physics or something like that <laughs> it's really funny how that works um but yeah
2: it, honestly it, a lot of stuff is, is
0: it, whenever, whenever I think of like any kind of like three like 3d kind of art stuff like in, in a video game I always think of Skyrim and like how like characters are like you know, you you have the normal like human characters, but then as soon as as soon as a giant rams wham, rams you with with his hammer, like your its club, and you fly up, you're a ragdoll, and then like all of the body parts start kind of going crazy. You're like, what the heck is yeah? What the heck is that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, I guess that that kind of outlines another difference with three D compared to two D. That you know, think about all this stuff that I've explained. It's like not even the modeling stuff, it's just the rendering stuff. It's like, it can be extremely technical to understand. Yeah. And, you know, that, that can be difficult to overcome for a lot of people. But, um, I think, you know, the the other thing was, uh, I've got to figure out what was going with this. (laughs) Um, Um, Oh, yeah, with with 2D, with 2D, you can easily just point out, like, oh, hey, you got an issue with how this looks. Like, you need to redraw it or something like that. Just redraw the section. Hey, his arm doesn't look right. Oh, or hey, the values on his face don't match the rest of the lighting.
2: Yeah.
1: You should probably redraw that or re render it. And if something goes wrong in 3D, you're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to fix that. Like, <laughs> his arm's intersecting with itself.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't know what to do. But like,. <laughs>
0: It's, it's, like, it's like coding when you have to go back and try, try to find the one, the one issue in the hundred lines of code that you just wrote. And it's yeah. just a simple, it's like a little simple thing that you have to, like, delete a parentheses somewhere. And you're just like, what the, what the heck? And it destroys the entire.
1: Yeah, like a syntax error. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, if it's like a syntax error, then that sometimes it's like a function that's still considered correct
2: yeah
1: that's how the logic you wanted is long. you don't find out until like three days later
2: mm-hmm.
0: but um, yeah, th- th- there's our technical yeah. analysis for for the podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah like it, honestly like things like rig, like rigs and stuff like that um when you assign a, uh, an object to a rig or like uh, an armature to form mm-hmm. basically um it'll it'll wait so so the rig is made up of a bunch of things called bones. Now, in other programs, if you're like from Maya or 3DS Max, they call them joints.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they uh, basically I, you have a set of vertices on the mesh, on the mesh object, so like the model, that would be weighted to each one of these bones. And based on how much they're weighted, they'll they'll move with that bone based on that weight that's assigned okay. to them. Okay. Now, for the most part, uh, I think you can split the weights up to four bones. And it'll, it'll do it automatically for you. Like if you had to paint all of this, it would be it would be a disaster. Yeah. You have to manually try and figure out how to paint all these weights. But uh yeah. But basically all the weights will add up to one. So if you move if you move the entire armature, it'll just move with it. Okay. And, you know, that's another technical point to point out. It's like if any of those weights are exceed one or less than one, you're gonna have some vertices that either lie behind or speed up more than they're supposed to when you move the entire thing. So that wouldn't be correct, especially if you try to move the object like 100 meters one way. Yeah. And then you have just some random point on there that moves an extra 10 meters on its own. Um, but uh, I, I swear, I always have problems with how to, how shoulders look. They never get weighted properly. There's too much of the rib cage that moves with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet like sometimes, like, <laughs> sometimes the, the shoulder will like pop up in a different direction. You're just like, what the heck is going on?
1: Yeah, I think even just audit, the automatic weighting it, it tends to have problems with shoulders. Yeah, plus um, have problems with like the twisting of arms and stuff like that. I don't know why that. So I need to fix that. So, I think if I just made... Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry continue.
0: So how How do you position like the the body to work with the the weapon that you that you create? Like, is there yeah. is there a specific? Like I, so, I, I, I bet the shoulders. The shoulders like sound like the, the hardest part when you're like trying to wield a gun and like putting the arm up, shoulder up, and like position it perfectly.
1: Okay, so um, there are two ways to move like things like arms and legs. So they call it uh, FK and IK. One of them is forward kinematics, and the other one is inverse kinematics. So for something like handling a gun, we'll use something called inverse kinematics. So so basically, uh, the the way it works, forward kinematics is a little more straightforward. Basically, you position the like say if if your arm is completely FK, um, you would position first your shoulder, and then it would be the next arm segment, and then past the elbow, and then your hand.
2: Hmm.
1: And you would you basically uh, if I move if I move the back uh, the first part of the arm, it would, it would move the entire arm. And if I move the forearm, it would just move the arm and the hand, and then I could move the hand on its own. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's how that works. Now, inverse kinematics is extremely useful for both arms and legs. Uh, Inverse kinematics, basically, I grab the hand, and if I move it towards the body, it'll bend the elbow towards another object known as the pole.
2: Okay. And I'll try
1: and figure out where it needs to bend it. And basically, I can move the hand, and the elbow automatically bends to where I want it to.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, same for, yeah. Same for the legs, where if I move the foot, then the knee will bend towards the pole object, or in this case it would be the pole bone. But um, yeah. So pretty useful, and it's most most rigs they give you an option to switch between those controls. Because I imagine something like if you if you're like swinging a sword, it'd probably be easier to work with FK where you know, you're, you're swinging in the first part of the arm and then the forearm, then the hand. Yeah. Um, now something like IK you're focused more on where the hands are positioned and the elbows just kind of have to bend to where they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, usually what I do is um, I have an extra object that's parented to the hand. And my parented basically, it, it'll, um, it'll copy all the actions or copy all the transformations of its parents. Um, or the child object will copy all the transformations of the parent. It'll treat the parent as if it's the center of its uh, rotation. And then that child object can also move on its own, at its own position relative to the parent.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, yeah, but uh, I usually have like extra bones on the hand to kind of like accommodate objects that the, the character might be holding. Yeah. So then I just uh, usually I have some portion on, I usually have another rig for the weapon and I just have it copy the transformations of that one of the object bones on the hand. And then it'll just snap to the hand. And then I can position the object bone relative to the hand. And the hand will continue to hold it like it should for the entire time period.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, now, as for the secondary hand, I usually have it, uh, I need it to basically kind of do something similar where it's parented it to the, in this case, the right hand. So the left hand would be following. In the correct position, and I guess the hard part is just kind of positioning everything correctly to be like rel- relative to each other to actually like make it look like he's the person's holding it correctly. I guess the idea is like you know at least with a secondary hand they need to uh you know it just it just fo- it, it can directly follow all the uh, all the transformations of the the primary hand mm-hmm. and I can just position everything from the primary hand. Um, now, what makes that more complicated is that you might have situations where Say for example, if you're reloading, well then usually you're holding it with your secondary hand, but then the right hand is moving oh, off of the weapon. But if I if I move the, if if I keep it set up, uh, if I keep that set up the way it is, if I move the the right hand off the weapon, well then one the weapon's going to move with it, and also the secondary hand's going to move with it. Wow. So I need to basically break that. Yeah, <laughs> you need to you need to think about like breaking off that relationship so that the the weapon's now parented to the
0: yeah you the, have to like change the other hand okay oh dang that that's yeah that like you you're just have to go back and change certain things to make sure that that you could move the position or else all the positioning would, would change based off of the like the reloading um action that the character is doing dang
2: yeah
1: technically like the moment you start moving the right hand off if you're like animating or something like that, you probably have you you'd basically toggle the controls over like one frame
2: yeah yeah dang yeah
1: so. And also, when like when you when you unparent something, it it doesn't like conserve all the transformations, so the you know objects can start going. You you disable the parenting, and all of a sudden, the objects like in some completely other space. You got to move it back. It will basically teleport it so, to a new position. So
0: you can't like save. You can't like <laughs> save that that uh uh that positioning, and then go to the next positioning, and like save that positioning, so that you could uh, transfer between the two. Is there like if there
1: are ways to do it? Okay. Um, sometimes you just have to have the the bones already part of the the rig, mm. which is not too hard. You can just add them. Um, especially if you're the one who owns it. but like, um, yeah, just add add some add an extra control. But it's like, you know, figuring figuring this out from scratch is not it's not a simple thing. I'm, no. You know, no. No. You don't go online. It's just like that's yeah yeah that's the other thing. It's like you know you get you start you start making your own things like. Like hey, character that holds a weapon. It's like nobody's gonna tell you how to control that or set up the controls for that. It's like I kinda had to figure out a control scheme on my own. That whole thing.
0: To to be absolutely honest, so. I I'm completely like envious of, of you because that takes an awful lot amount of patience and I don't think I could I could be able to go through the the process of of doing all of that work it's it's why uh, it's why i i can't i don't want to learn how to code like even though it would probably be a great a great thing to learn coding just it 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 sounds like so much patience is is needed for it and i don't have much patience i was not taught to be patient
1: (laughs) (laughs) honestly like at least with doing this stuff i kind of just expect that like whatever i I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get this done today. I kind of just expect that, like, there's something that's gonna happen that makes it so that it's gonna take a lot longer yeah. than I originally expected to. You,
0: you you go in with 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 specific expectations. It's like when you're going in to see a a movie that you've never seen before. You you try to go in with no no expectations whatsoever, and then if like if it goes up. Like if if it turns out to be a really really good experience and you're like oh yeah cool. If it's really bad you're just like oh whatever, whatever. But like with this it's like it's like you have to go within like low ex- expectations. Be like oh hey, uh, there's gonna be a lot of things that will that will get in my way and block me and uh, it's gonna be very really irritating. Be ready for it kind of thing. And then when it when it doesn't happen you're like oh yes that was a good experience loved it
1: yeah Yeah. even like even just walking into the project i'm like all right like sometimes i'm like oh let's do something fast i'm gonna put these characters in a Scene, and then I realized that like hey since I modeled on this character I, I was working on one character before like after I worked on this character and then I added features to this one character like, that controls to this character that I did not add to the other character. I'm going to go back to the other character and add the same controls mm-hmm. sometimes I don't remember the entire process or something else is go- goes wrong with it <laughs> or makes it so that I can't replicate it
0: Yeah that, <clears throat> that doesn't sound like fun <laughs> where, where you, yeah, you? That's
1: not the fun part, the fun part
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> the, 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 the fun part is hitting the render button and it actually working.
0: It actually working. Yes. And
1: sometimes that, that's its own frustration because you hit the render button and then halfway through it crashes. Yeah. Which that reminds me, that's another technical aspect between another technical difference between the CPU and GPU is uh, RAM, RAM usage. Oh yeah. Um, when you render, yeah, when you render on a CPU, it just uses your computer's RAM, which you know most do have like what at least 16 gigabytes now it is and then GPU you are limited now you can actually render with multiple graphics cards Um, in my case I actually render with like I render with two GPUs. yeah
2: um,
1: and all they have to do is just they have to be con connect- at least in my case they're just connected to the motherboard which it looks my computer looks ridiculous because it has like three graphics cards in there <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like, uh, yeah, when you're when you're running with GPU, when you're running with GPU, you are limited by the VRAM on the graphics card. And also, if you have like say several types of graphics card with different amounts of VRAM, they don't stack. You are limited by the the VRAM of the card that has the lowest amount of RAM on there. So if, say if you have a card that has If you have two cards that have eight gigabytes, but then you're also rendering with a card that has three gigabytes, your VRAM is three gigabytes. If you exceed that RAM usage, your render crashes.
0: Oh wow! So So it goes based off the lowest (laughs) the lowest amount. Yes. Oh.
1: Yes. If you exceed the lowest amount of whichever cards, like whichever set of cards you're using, then uh, it'll crash your render. Dang! Now in my case, you um,
0: have high high.
1: Yeah, you have good hardware. I remember even looking back. <laughs> I think I think the cards they have now, like the 3000 3, series, I forget how much VRAM they have. I think they have like 16 or 24 or something like that. 16, 24 gigs. It's really crazy now. I remember like the only cards that had like 24 gigs were like Quadros, or like the stuff that you know, video studios use. Yeah. But one of those cards was like $5,000. And it's like, wow, that's like more than my entire computer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh yeah. let's move away from the technical side of things and let's go over to the kind of the inspiration for all of this. Um specifically your weapons. I, I know you said that you, you focus on like on more like old old style uh guns and and, and weaponry. Uh what kind of inspired you to to do all that stuff you just like you're you're involved i know i know it it has to do with like history or something like that right
1: well yeah so it's kind of of funny at first i was like i was kind of beginning i was kind of getting the traction to like actually make like characters consistently Mm -hmm. have like the workflow down
2: yeah
1: after like two years um but uh i was like i wanted to do weapons and stuff like that like you know for conflicts and rendering all that stuff yeah um but at first, I was kind of like thinking like medieval fantasy, I was trying to like design like a crossbow model, and like eventually I would do like swords. But um, I think this is 2017.
0: Just just a few years
1: ago. Um, actually, actually 20 I think it might have been 2016. Um, I was I, play, I, I played Battlefield One. Oh yeah, from, from yeah. EA. Yeah. That was, you know, said World War One. I. I was like, wow, this looks really cool. I'm like, I didn't realize they had all these weapons already at this time period. Yeah. I was like, so I started investigating on my own. I found a channel known as the Forgotten Weapons. I started watching a lot of that. I was like, you know what? I want to do it. With weapons based on this time period. Hmm. And first part was, you know, I had technically modeled that one weapon when I very first started out but that was nothing close to what I really needed. Um, I was kind of trying to balance, like, oh, you know, how much of the weapon am I going to model? Am I just going to model the outside? I'm like, do I show the mechanics? Like, how, or, But if I show the mechanics, i better need to know what the entire inside looks like, and I don't know what that looks like. And I was like, screw it. I guess I'll model every single part of the weapon and try to be true as true to the real thing as I can be. Um, yeah, and I think the first... First uh, bolt action that I actually tried modeling. Well, actually, the first thing I tried to model was actually a, something called a Webley-Fosbury. Fosbury. What
0: is a that? Revolver. A, a webley Fosberry?
1: Yes. So it was a 1902 British revolver. Oh. I think it was actually one of the Indiana Jones movies. Oh, really? They actually had like a. Yeah, it was like a 38. They they said it was they they said it was a uh, chambered in 455, but the one they had in the movie was chambered for 38 because it had it was an eight shooter. The ones chambered for forty five caliber were uh, six shooters and six shot cylinders.
0: Oh.
1: But interesting gun. It was it's uh they refer to it as an automatic revolver.
0: Oh I have so, it I have it pulled up right here. Oh, I, oh yeah, yeah. Do so you see that. all like those yeah. crazy
1: crazy you see all those crazy grooves on the cylinder?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah
1: Yeah, so um the way it works is that the entire upper assembly recoils back when you fire it. Oh. Um, yeah. And then when that happens, it cocks the hammer for you. So it kind of works like kind of like an automatic pistol. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. okay.
1: But in revolver form. Yeah. Now, the reason they, they made it like that was because there weren't really any automatic pistols in like large calibers yeah. at that point yet. I would very quickly approach because the Webley company started working on their own automatic pistol. And then even, you know, Colt had, their, had the 1911 eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they started with 45 caliber guns in like 1905. Um, but, uh, I tried modeling that. I did like the barrel and cylinder, and honestly doing that, modeling that barrel for the first time, I didn't really have hard surface modeling skills down at this point. I had watched a video about doing, it was actually a spaceship. It was like years before this. Mm. And it talked about like, basically, um, if you were to do like kind of like high definition objects or something like that. Use something called like a, a subsurf modifier, and basically what it does is it takes the existing faces on your mesh model and in this case that has to be all quadrilaterals so otherwise it's gonna have some funky issues but um it takes all the faces and then it cuts it into four smaller faces um, and then s- applies smoothing to the object problem is uh say if you have like a cube and then you subdivide the cube into you know Four additional faces for each face, and then it applies the smoothing. It's gonna turn it into like a ball, which might not be what you want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you wanna you wanna keep it looking like a cube. So what you do is you you add extra edge loops and push them up really close to the uh, what the edges of the cube would be, and it would say it would kind of like when if you do something like that, it would kind of bevel out the corners but it would still look like a cube for the most part. If you did it at every, if you did it consistently at all corners that like you needed to remain sharp. Oh Wow. Yeah. problem with this is that if you do it with like more complicated objects than just a cube, it, it becomes the, what the, they refer to this as the topology, like what the surface looks like or what the organization of vertices and faces on the surface uh, The topology starts getting really hard to manage. Especially if you don't have something underneath to like reference. And that's you know, that's all just tet- like the technical part of getting the model, the hard this model right. Yeah. Um and I didn't I didn't really understand that at first that like doing it this way was really overkill. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um
1: now, nowadays what I do is uh I don't have to strictly follow like because you would, you would have to like basically have like this tight edge loop or around like the sharp corners and you have to do it around every single sharp corner and make sure that all the faces match up and they're all quadrilaterals and all all this It's like managing that is just ridiculous yeah even if you have the model ridiculous. underlying model uh, yeah even if you have the underlying model underneath it's still really difficult to like manage that in every single aspect uh, nowadays what i do is uh instead of using the surface modifier yeah so it just uh, they have something called the bevel modifier, and you just uh, click on the. You basically assign the edges that you want to be beveled or made, remain sharp, and it'll bevel those specific edges. And then uh, there's a few other modifiers that fix how the uh, the shading looks on there, so that way it doesn't look like weird or doesn't have like these stretched shadows on there, hmm. which that's a whole nother topic. But um, anyways, I made this revolver. And then I worked on, it was a Steyr M95 bolt-action rifle. I spent my entire spring break just working on that.
0: Oh, wow. I think it
1: took me about two weeks to complete.
0: That's dedication right there.
1: It looked, yeah. And honestly, for the <laughs> first rifle I did, pretty, pretty good, I would say. Um, now, looking back, I'm like, yeah, the materials are definitely lacking. Like, I could not do wood to save my life. Um, metal could have been better. But it was okay. Um now I didn't understand how to rig still because I'd been at this point, like i I'd, I'd done character models, right? But it's like I was using rigging add-ons to do almost everything. So I didn't really understand that until probably like a year later when I had tried doing it. Oh. But uh yeah, but like after after that M ninety five model, like the the one problem I had with doing it. The, the one part that I had an issue with was the, uh, the receiver, which uh, the receiver is basically the part, uh, the part that, uh, you know, receives cartridges from the magazine and then yes, the yes. bolt chambers it. Yeah. to you know, sends it to the barrel or sends it to the chamber in the barrel. Uh, and basically the thing with the receiver is that every single, almost all parts of the weapon connect to the receiver. So think about all the mechanical, I guess, Features that have to be on there for it to house almost everything. Oh my gosh. To, you know, to take the barrel, to take the bolt, for the bolt to travel in the receiver, to turn in the receiver, to for the magazine to connect to it, uh, for trigger components to connect to it, things like that. Um, and the thing is, you know, trying to get reference pictures of that online, especially with my level of understanding. I didn't really fully understand, like, what the inside of a bolt-action receiver looked like. Was almost impossible. I'm like, and who who that takes pictures of the inside of the window? like? Oh, hey, looks what that's what it looks like on the inside. Just like,
0: yeah, no, no, even no like getting no a camera down there. No it's just <laughs> taking a picture of the inside. I mean, unless like not nowadays, I know people can like 3D print like gun parts and then put them together. So I feel like like now it, there should be images, at least like some 3D images of of what like certain parts of a gun look like, but but that's like that's from like nowadays what what gun design designs are the the modern gun gun design whereas like you're you're focusing on more like 20th century guns at at, at the start of the 20th uh the 20th century um yeah that yeah you know, we it, don't we don't have designs designs it, for that i don't think <laughs> unless unless you yeah. have one uh, of those guns.
1: like well like after after that experience, I'm like, look, if if I'm gonna try and figure this out, it's like I need a real example in front of me.
2: Yeah,
1: but I'm like, so you bought I'm probably like, so purchase one of these things. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So eventually, I did buy something to try and like f- figure it out. And I remember it's actually, um, I actually had that rifle model still on one of my other characters that I made, Ruben. Oh. and he was, it was a. Swiss bottle 1889 straight pole rifle. Now, the thing I got, the, the weapon I got was uh, sporterized. So somebody cut the barrel down to like 20 inches when it was supposed to be 30 inches, and then they shortened the stock, mm. which uh, the, ter- the, term, the term they call this, uh, they call it a, it's a bubba. It's been bubbed.
0: It's been bubbed. <laughs>
1: yeah. I guess the, the more generic term is like it's been sporterized, uh, or like somebody tries to turn it into like a sporter gun. Uh took off the upper hand guard and shaved down the sight ears that's like like, now as a result of this it's it's a lot cheaper yeah (laughs) it's a lot cheaper so that was nice but
0: that's good um but it's not it's not like the real thing it's it's not how i mean it's not
1: fully the real thing uh, Authentically, the the weapon i got it was it was technically the real thing it's just that somebody made modified it and yeah yeah made a bunch of these changes um, as far as the real thing goes it's t- technically qualified as an antique so I didn't have to get a like a background check and stuff like that. Oh
0: that's cool.
1: Because it was older than uh, the receiver the receiver the the uh legal part of the firearm in the United States. Yeah. So the receiver was uh the, the manufacture date on the receiver was uh earlier than 1898 so it qualified as an antique Ooh, firearm.
0: Dang, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You you still yeah, have the so firearm to, I do actually. Oh, that's cool.
1: I have actually. Sh- okay, and it's funny because I bought I, it. And I'm like, yeah, I can't shoot this. I don't have the ammo for this.
0: <laughs> what's the value of that?
1: Honestly, that this is sporterized. It's probably only like three hundred dollars. Oh, okay. The ones that are not sporterized are like five hundred or six hundred now. Hmm. Dang. Honestly, I probably should have just bought it on Um, I did actually buy. Another rifle, like that was like a later version of that gun that wasn't sporterized. Also, surprisingly, with an antique, it's really funny. It was made in 1898, but it was upgraded in 1911, <laughs> like with an Arsenal upgrade.
2: Oh, wow. That
1: they did uh, on all their weapons. And finding ones that are, it was an 1896 rifle. They produced them all the way from 1896 up until 1911. Then they had a new model of rifle. But, like, if it falls within a specific serial number range, uh, you can actually prove that the receiver was made like uh, in 1898 or earlier. So some of those actually qualify as antiques.
2: Right.
1: So I actually got another one from like that. And it was an original example. Now, there was some slight mechanical differences and features that would be different than what I ended up modeling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just kept in mind the, uh, the of that. They changed the rear sight magazine difference the Whole slow changes 1911, but like uh, I remember the first thing, got it, and then my mom was just like, "You bought a gun?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are you doing with that? <laughs> what are you doing with that?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." And the first thing I did was I took it apart, and then I started. Uh, I actually wasn't working in Blender at this point. I was actually, if I was if I was gonna be taking direct measurements off of something, I was uh, I was actually using CAD. So in this case, I was using uh, Fusion 360 from Autodesk, hmm. and actually. I think late uh early twenty eighteen I actually took a class in CAD. I was going to college at this point. And it was funny because I already had like 3D modeling experience. So like after I picked up the controls of it was uh in this case the program we were using was called Creo. It used to be called Pro Engineer.
2: Yeah.
1: But like uh since I already had experience with that, I was like I was just zooming through the interface so I was like, Yeah, screw this, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it started getting more difficult when they started going over like assemblies and adding constraints to make a complete assembly from different models, and then drawings, yeah. like technical drawings. Okay. Which, honestly, I started falling asleep to that yeah. portion of the class. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that that but, um, that's good. Yeah. You 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 already had experience, and you were but but like there's there's times where you you can take it to class, and you've already had experience in whatever you're you're learning there. But there's there's still things to learn about. And per, like maybe within that class, you might be able to learn something new that you didn't know before, but that will make your the your process easier. Yeah.
1: Now technically, they didn't uh, they didn't have a class in Fusion 360 at the school, but it was funny because I actually had like a little had an introductory offer at the school actually before I took that class for Fusion 360. So it was like, well, if somebody used it from home, wants to use Fusion 360, let honestly, it's kind of a cheap program to buy. Out of like all the CAD programs that you could be buying, because yeah. some of these, I don't know if you've seen a SolidWorks license, like $5,000. Oh my gosh,
0: $5,000? Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish I learned SolidWorks, honestly, but because a lot of companies uses it, but go away for that now. But, um, what is it? Fusion 360, I think it was like it's around like $40 a month, which is not too bad. But, um, it's funny because I, I I first started using Fusion 360 on my own. I was trying to do uh, trying to model gears from scratch. Wanted to do uh wanted to do this special type of I don't know if you know what double gears are.
0: Double gears, no.
1: So imagine the axes are kind of like uh instead of being parallel to each other, they're kind of like at an angle to each other. So you have like these conical, conical shaped gears mm-hmm. rolling against each other. Okay. Um I was doing like a special special variant of it known as hypoid gears where like the, the shafts are offset from the centers. They actually use those in uh, uh car differentials. I don't know if you've seen what that is.
0: Car like car like in a in a car.
1: Yeah, so they use it in a car.
0: Okay.
2: Basically.
1: Yeah. Um but I tried modeling that and that was actually my first experience with it. I remember I was I was actually going really deep into that. I remember I was like, I was only getting like four hours of sleep a night. <laughs> I would literally go go to school, then come home and just straight work on this.
0: Wow, dude. You, um, got, you got like straight sure. determination to just know how to, that's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did that for like a month straight. Uh, well, honestly, I think the lack of sleep apart, well, that was more like two, two weeks. Because I think I was like, I, I felt like I was getting close but it was one of those things where like, and I didn't understand that about CAD, so that like a lot of things are, you can drive things parametrically. Where like, hey, uh, this thing, well, what is it? If I change the, the size of this value, I want this other value to change by five times this value. Hmm. So instead of like retyping the value, going through and changing the values on everything and going through the sketches and changing that and then changing this feature and then changing that and going all the way from the, the, the bottom, yeah. All the way to the top i was trying to do it again every single time which honestly as far as like my modeling speed went it definitely improved it and also familiarized myself with the program more but it definitely was not efficient looking back on it
2: yeah.
1: um but anyways i <laughs> i used fusion 360 for this project because immediately when i got this weapon i took it apart and i took a set of calipers and just started taking measurements off of it and then trying to plug the measurements that I got into the CAD program to make a new model, um, which was honestly, for this, this was probably not the greatest weapon to start on, because there's a lot of complicated features on there. Things cut... Th- there's, th- there's, there's features on there that you can't... There's, there's features on weapons, or even just any mechanical parts that you really just can't directly measure, unless you have, like, the original drawings that just tell you. Like, for example, the angle at which, like, a surface is cut, if it's, like, cut at, like, a weird angle. It's, like, you kind of it's really hard to get the tools to do that unless you have some way to like trace it out and then maybe like take a protractor and figure it out from there. Hmm. But um, throughout my next semester, I was just spending time after school just just modeling this thing. And I eventually finished everything but like the stock by the end, like that December. It would have been like 20, yeah, December 2018. Then I finished the model in my ensuing winter break. I finished the whole model in Blender. Um, I had to go through that retopology process again. <clears throat> and then once I had the model finished, I was like, all right, well, I got to set this up for animation, so I got to rig it. I'm like, how am I going to do this again? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember that process. I literally, there were there were parts of it that I was literally like, certain features of it. Because you know, if you're if you're modeling a weapon for a game, you know you're probably just modeling a specific part moving in and out of the weapon, and yeah. that's not too difficult. Like maybe it rotates, comes back, and then you have you know, load ammo. But beyond know, beyond that, you don't have to like keep excessive track of everything. You know, if you're modeling all the mechanical parts, not only do all the, you have to keep track of all the parts moving, which that's not too difficult if you set it up properly. But the big issue I had was the the magazine and keeping track of ammunition. Oh, like how do you how do you have like? How do you consistently have it so that you have like, say, separate charger packets that you, that you load into the gun, or like, uh, in this case, the the weapon took uh, like almost stripper clips. I don't know if you never see what those are. Uh, it, uh, a what? So, uh, in this case, they call them like like cardboard chargers, but um, it works just like a a stripper clip that you would see on like German bolt actions. Oh,
2: okay. okay. Uh,
1: basically, imagine. Imagine, like, this packet of, like, vertically stacked cartridges. You yeah. stick it into the top of the weapon, and then you just push all the rounds down into the magazine.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah,
1: and then you just take out the clip. You take out the clip, or in this case, it would be, like, a cardboard piece. Which, yeah. honestly, the, cardboard, the, the use of the cardboard uh, charger in Switzerland was actually pretty unique and, honestly, a lot nicer than an actual stripper clip.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you ever use a stripper clip in real life, just put, like... It's it's only caught at like the back side of the cartridge, so you try pushing it down, and the the the, the cartridge just want to buckle, go all over the place, not down into the magazine. It's really stupid to try and push it down.
0: Yeah, that doesn't, um, that doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's
0: like you're pour- it's like you're pouring in you're you're pouring in the bullets in, into the gun. Like what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, What is it yeah? Keeping track of that. That was, that was an interesting process. I actually read the entire thing, but it took, like, three months. I think the majority of progress I made in, like, the first month. But, um, but
0: once, yeah, you, fi- once from, you finally got there, it, once you finally got yeah, it done, it was like, amazing, huh?
1: Yeah, for the most part. Now, <laughs> there were still changes I wanted to make. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of The features. Think about how I said before about like how how uh how control controlling a character holding the weapon works. Yeah. Like, oh you have to switch the parenting.
2: Yeah. Like yeah.
1: imagine if I have all these parts yeah, if I imagine if I have all these parts parented together in like a chain. It's like, oh I want to move the barrel off or something like that. It's like, well, if I move just the barrel off, will the sights follow it? Will the front sight follow it? It's like, oh, if I start moving the receiver, but the barrel's parented to the receiver, or so then the barrel starts moving with that. It's like, how, how do I move these things independently from each other? It's like, I have to set up a system for that. How do I control, how do I easily control the visibility of objects from the rig? Technically, there's a separate control that I can just go to for the object. Um, however, the issue with that is, uh, say, if I, if I try to keyframe these things in the program, um, or say say if I link the object to another scene, Because usually I I model the weapon in one file, and then I just I I link I link the object to another file. Um, say for example, if I have the character in the other file, I link the object to that character file, and then he can start handling it from there. Um, if I link it, I don't have access to that specific object. Instead, what I do is I, um, in Blender you make something called a proxy of the rig, and then you start making changes to that rig that allows you to position. Particular weapon, hmm. but um, if the controls aren't built into the rig, well, then I can't access that control. So every basically all the controls have to be on the rig. Um, just the technical parts of that, hmm. but um, I think I got kind of derailed. I'm supposed to be talking about,
0: you know, some of the don't, don't, don't worry parts of this t- uh, t- tangent. <laughs> <laughs> these these kinds of things happen <laughs> in podcasting, and, and I I love it. Because it just shows like that you have a you have a great passion in all of this and like severe dedication, spending, spending three months on on just designing this gun and you bought the you bought the gun, took it apart, des, like designed every single piece, put it all together like into 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 the program, and now use it for for your for your characters. How do you how how do you go about choosing the guns, uh, to complement the the character that you, that you've made? Like, do do you do you do you have a specific like story that goes in line with with each character that you make, and then and th- their guns and all that stuff? Do you have, do you even have like a like a like a world that like all these characters are from?
1: Yeah. So I guess as far as the world goes, it's like um, it's gonna take place probably before, you know before World War One. I guess the idea, the so the thing I want to do is like, since I also have weapons that I want to make that are go, you know, outside of this period, um, like more towards the future, World War II or something like that. Um, I want to do like a story where it's just like it's pre-World War One. It's like around like say late nineteen, like before nineteen ten or something like that, and basically. The characters catch wind that some some kind of event like World War One is going to happen. It's basically going to be like cataclysmic for Europe. Yeah. And you basically have a bunch of people that come from other timelines to try and stop it.
0: Oh, that sounds <laughs> cool. There's,
1: yeah, there's other. Yeah, but then there's other forces also from those timelines and even from the current timelines that are also trying to keep it like ha- to allow it to happen. Oh dang. Or happen in their favor.
0: <laughs> it's a it's a time war oh. it's it's the world it, it's the world time war
1: <laughs> so that's that's kind of like the premise i kind of want to
0: make yeah
1: but um what is it um now sometimes if i if i'm just feeling like creative on a certain one time, I might make a specific character and then make it fit or what is it and then have a gun that kind of fits him yeah fits that person but uh for the most part I'll try and look at other weapons or at least uh, I've kind of like researched enough where I'm like, Oh, you know, these are the other weapons that cu- uh, countries had at that time or like the standard weapons that they had. And I'm like, okay, I'll have this character. I'll make a character that fits with this weapon. And then typically based on what country they are from, I'll do like a certain race. Okay. So for example, I've done like a lot of like lizard type characters Um, I call them the Scenarian, but they're basically kind of like from Central Europe, so I have one that's basically from Germany, one specifically from Austria, Um, another that's from, like, I have another two characters that are specifically from Switzerland, and they both have Swiss rifles. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, one of those weapons I'm currently working on right now. Um, And then, um, like, say, I I also have, like, a bird Bird type characters, and then like, I guess another t- if the other type of character is called cat people. I guess they they're more like furry animals, basically. One of them is like a ra- uh, the two that I have. One of them is like a rabbit. The other one's kind of like a I guess closer to a cat. But um, I guess th- those two characters they're they're British. I'm also gonna do like characters like that, that are like American.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I have bird-like characters that are uh one of them's like uh I to from like Spanish speaking countries as well as like uh I'm also gonna do characters that are like French like
0: mm. French birds. <laughs> French birds
1: Yeah. So
0: French birds. I don't change it, it up. Bird. I might have
1: like <laughs> Yeah but like uh I might I have like ideas for two more races I wanna do, but I haven't really modeled it yet. Usually I don't really have I don't really have like the, the to look down for the character until like about a year bodily it. Hmm. Um, it usually is because it's like kind of on and off. So, so you... like even.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, what
1: were you saying? Oh, is it like you know? Like, I only have like three races at the moment. I think the, the the very first race I did, which it kind of goes back to that first inspiration I had for that. I don't know if you, have you ever played League of
0: Legends. Uh, I have played League of Legends. I am not a fan of MOBAs very much. I, I'm more an like, MMO yeah. fan, so...
1: That, that was an aside. To be honest, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't played League of Legends since, like, 2013. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> but I'm like, you know, I was I was really interested in how uh, Teemo looked. Yeah. But, like, he's kind of like a like a short cat-looking thing. But I was like, I kind of want to do something that's more like a human-sized proportion. Mm-hmm. So, then I started making, like, those, I guess, uh, those that kind of furry style thing. Now, um, one one thing with making these characters was, like, all right, let's distinguish this kind of, like, from the, the, the quote, unquote, furry art style that you yeah. might think of when Sony says furry, yeah? yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, like, I don't really like that. I'm, like, now, there are some, I guess, good versions of it, but I'm, like, mm, no, that's not my taste. I'm like, I no, let's not do that. Like the characters that I have, that they don't have at least the quote unquote. They're more like anthrop- they're still anthropomorphic, but they don't have like models. They still have like the tails and ears and maybe like the button nose, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to put like models, like I don't want to put like full animal features on them.
0: Yeah, it, like for, like they fur- normal human feet. Yeah, with with furries, it's like it's like they have they have normal like human humanoid faces, but then like fur all around their their head, like with the hair, and then like just different parts of their body, like their hand, like sometimes their hands have like our paws, and but they they still are like very much human, like humanoid. It looks humanoid, but they're just animal features yeah. onto them. It's like.
1: Honestly, my characters. I mean, they still have the ears and tail, and then they still have like you know, they're covered in fur and have like a button nose, but yeah. they do not have muzzles. Um, their hands are normal. They still have like I guess they still have like claws, but they don't have paws. Their feet are still kind of like more like human feet. Probably yeah, easier if I post a picture. Yeah,
0: you're, you're, <laughs> your your char- your character, your character, your like your main one that you use. Um, which which races? Is I
1: he... I call it uh the scenarian. Scenarian. Yeah. So they the right. the first basis on that, and then
0: they're like the, the that was kind of lizard people, right? Or, or, or
1: yes. Yeah. So that was kind of an interesting mashup. Now, honestly, on all my characters, they almost have like the, the huge, like pointed ears. Honestly, I really like that style of ears, so I just put it on everything. But like, uh. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting mashup. So, at least the ones that I have now, or at least the, the very first one that I did, looks wildly different than what I have now. Um, they actually had tails at first. The ones I have now don't really have tails, except for, actually, I actually did one recently that was more like fish-like, that actually had a tail. But like, um, their eyes, the style of eyes was different, but the, the overall head shape and body type was similar. Um but uh, the the kind of inspirations they used, honestly, I actually I kind of base a lot of my stuff on Pokemon. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, yeah, I I I do get a Pokemon esque vibe from it.
1: Yeah. yeah so it, honestly, the shape of the head I kind of pulled from a uh, Snivy.
0: It, it feels very realistic um, though, like because of the 3D, like how how you designed it, oh, it, it feels very realistic, like in a weird way.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have something to say about photorealism and 3D later um yeah. but um <laughs> but like uh I think yeah I I, I kind of went for the style of head with a snivy um the eyes eventually the, the original eyes also kind of kind of fell along the lines of like the snivy lines but like uh later on it kind of went with a like a frog style of eyes mm-hmm. um then they had a humanoid body and then their, their uh I mean, the, the arms and legs, uh, I, always, I always have like a black, almost kind of like a black color to them. So they're a lot darker at the uh, the arms and legs parts. And also that was based on another Pokemon that kind of had like a similar feature with like a Kamo from Gen 7. But he had like, it was kind of like a dinosaur looking Pokemon that had like uh, black features for the arms and legs. So he kind of copied that style. Um, now I've got a lot more uh, I guess unique with it. I put, I put all these patterns on their skin.
0: Yeah are are they like tribal? Um, like 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 in a in a way like parts of like different like uh, factions like it based off of the the features that they have on them, or are is it just based off of? Oh, you you're born that way. Those are your that it was
1: kind of just you born that way. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I kind of just figured. I'm like, oh, that that'd kind of look that kind of look neat on the pile, mm-hmm. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, honestly, now like they've gotten more fish-like. Even the one that I have in my picture, he's he's got like a he's got a dorsal fin on his back.
2: Oh, he does. And
1: the, the I... teeth? Yes, he does. Even on the back of his head, he's got a fin. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Can't
1: see it in that picture, but like, um, what is it? And also the the teeth. He got like sh- uh, like point pointed teeth, almost like a shark.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a, kind of like a
1: shark like influence. He's also got like, I'm a, like oh, a
0: li- you know a little like snake tongue kind of kind of coming out of his mouth there. Yes,
1: they all <laughs> they all have that they all have that too. So it's it's a really honestly thinking about it, I'm like yeah, it's a really weird mashup of all these reptiles like <laughs> or fish at this point too. I've had one character recently that was like very distinctively based on an orca. Oh, and yeah. he has he has like a tail with like uh fins on the back of it.
2: Oh that's interesting. Also has a
1: dorsal fin.
0: That that's very interesting. Oh
1: yeah. But um yeah, that was kind of a weird mashup. I'm what where we we're going with this.
0: Well, um I, I I think I think it's great. You you said that you wanted to talk talk about uh um photorealism
2: oh
1: okay so you know honestly with a lot of as far as inspirations go like almost everybody i follow is a 2d artist yeah yeah like there's a
0: lot
1: of those yeah well yeah there's a lot of those but like even then I feel like the character designs that I see with 2D art are much more inspiring to me than what I see with like 3D art. Cause I feel like, I feel like the cliche with 3D art is either it's super hyper realistic. And it tends to be, for some reason it's super hyper realistic. It tends to be sci-fi. Um, and then um, the other cliche I see is like almost like a Pixar style.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's either cartoonish or very, very realistic.
1: Yes. And I'm like, you know, the photorealism part was like, oh, it's kind of, it's kind of cool the first few times you see it. Like, I can't believe computers can do this. Like, it's crazy. Um, but like after a while you're like, this is kind of boring. Like, I want to see some, some crazy shit, some crazy features. Excuse my French. Um,
0: (laughs) no, no worries. No worries.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But like, um, you know, I try to follow like other artists that maybe I don't want to say necessarily make the things that I do, but like kind of make their own like make non-human creatures as well,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe try to adapt some of those features into my own work, or try to figure out like, oh, can I, can I do that? There are, now, there's some cases where like especially the one thing about 2D that I like that I can't really achieve in 3D is that like, you know, there are definitely some features that you cannot put in 3D or you cannot translate from 2D to 3D, all that all that well like uh like honestly with like some some cartoony things the size of the the size of the eyes on those those characters can be really big and honestly i try to make the my eyes the eyes on my characters huge as well but there's a limit can't can't make it too big
0: (laughs) or else
1: honestly like yeah, some of the some of the characters, their eyes are so big. Like, if you were to see inside their head, that the the eyeballs are like intersecting with each other. Oh <laughs> my god! They're that big. <laughs> you don't you don't see you don't see that much of an eyeball on a person, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even like even even the character that has my avatar, it's like, you know what his eyes look like?
0: <laughs> mm. What do they look like?
1: It's like, um. So the only, imagine you're seeing the bottom of a gumdrop and that's the portion of the eye that you see. Oh gosh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: gosh. It looks really weird. It's, it's almost like either they look like gumdrops, or they look like cones on the like, and you're you're basically seeing like the bottom side of it, like the flat
0: side. You just see, oh, <laughs> I could just imagine like, on yeah. the, on the, and also, like you, you lo- you're just looking at, at him, like right, right eye his face. And you see his eyes like oh he's, he looks fine and then you look on on the back of his head and there's like two two giant like sticks kind of popping out of his back of his head he's like oh shit what the heck is that dude? <laughs>
1: it's really funny. I learned how to because um one one thing in in order to make that sort of thing work because imagine if I rotate that object well yeah. imagine if you're rotating a gumdrop it's like if it rotates like a gumdrop it's like that's not like gonna look right no it's like you needed to basically. Maintain its specific shape while still being able to rotate like an eyeball yeah so the actual object itself is a sphere but I have this uh I have this modifier on there known as a a, a lattice modifier which basically imagine like this this cage thing a cage of vertices that you kind of like use it to like warp an object to a specific shape
2: hmm.
1: so okay. as a result it's like I have this I basically this lattice on there that kind of flattens the top the the front side of the eye to be almost like it'd be extremely flat. And then um as a result, since the object is still technically a sphere, I can rotate it around like it's still technically a ball. So it'll maintain that specific shape. But um it's still it's still the, the object is still technically a sphere. Yeah. But it'll maintain that shape in that space, basically. Okay. So I can still move I can still move the, the you know the pupil and eyeball around. Yeah, yeah. Normally.
0: That's good. That's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And honestly I do that for almost all my characters, that the eyeballs are kind of flattened a little bit just so it kind of fits in the head. Yeah. And you know, as an aside, it, you know, there was like a one or two year period where I kind of struggled getting like the correct size of head or getting the correct head shape. I was like, all right, well, I think the head's too wide. I'm gonna shrink down the cheeks a little bit. Oh no, his eyes are bulging on. I'm gonna shrink down the I'm gonna move the eyes a little bit closer. Maybe shrink them down a little bit because they're too big, something like that. Oh, now is now the rest of the face looks too big. Now I gotta shrink down his cheeks again. Oh, the eyes are bulging out. Push them back in. It's like I think after like the third time, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna nowhere with this. I think I think it's the best it's gonna look.
0: <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, you do have to stop. Like, it, like it, it's it's with every create with with everything that you create. Uh, at a certain point, even like, like if you if you wanted to get it out there, like for uh, for other people to, to see and like, but you're you're so stagnant on it being perfect, exactly how you how you imagine it, you're not gonna get it out there because at, at a certain point you're just gonna be like, oh no, it's not it's not ready yet, it's not ready yet, <coughs> put it out there. So.
1: Yeah, it really goes back to that thing where it's just like, oh, this is the correct. And then you post it, and somebody's like, "Hey, that doesn't look correct. You should fix that." You're like, "All right, how? How do I fix it? You know, <laughs> give give me the
0: advice." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, with 2D, it's just like, "Oh yeah, you gotta redraw it. Maybe it's like use a different brush or something like that." Yeah, I knew like, a different- "Oh, hey, this is that. This, you know, this is how I view it. Maybe this is how you can you can do it." Like, but with 3D, it's like the only way you would be able to figure it and tell somebody else how to do it is if they handed you the file. Uh, yeah, and then he- and then even then, if they even if they handed you the file. You could be like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know what your process is, or maybe they set it up in a way where it's impossible to fix the way it's set up.
0: Ah, oh, that sucks. That sucks. That, yeah, that makes it hard to like, <laughs> get any advice on anything.
1: Yeah, I know. And even as you get like towards the like like a finished model, like a finished character, or something like that, now it's you can still like make minor changes. Like, oh, hey, the I don't like how far snout I was. Snout is protruding i'm gonna shrink it a little bit maybe make that change but like um you have to make any like major changes like oh hey the model doesn't have enough fingers or something like that for some reason um yeah you that's a that's a huge change all your textures are garbage now uh (laughs) everything that you painted you're probably gonna have to redo it unless maybe you add it in such a way that like if you can conserve the rest of the model, you probably could conserve most of it if, it's, if you're just changing the hands. But like, yeah, your textures are garbage. Uh, you might have to redo, uh, if you change any part of the model or like add extra features to it, you might have to redo your rig and your, your weighting. So, wow. making changes like that. Oh, and then uh, if you, what is it? If you add like too many, or if you make like too big of a change, um, you might have to, uh, you do the UV unwrapping which you know what that is
0: no I do not
1: yeah, UV unwrapping is basically when you take a uh take a 3d model and then you basically flatten it you project it to a 2d surface okay and then from there you can paint you can paint your textures and stuff like that if you ever see like game files or something like that you have like those crazy like weird looking texture maps mm-hmm. so like the dude's face is stretched out and things like that that's what uh it, it specifically fits the UVA unwrapped portion of
2: that model.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. That's, but something, like, uh, something
0: that, uh, something new that I learned today. That's, that's great. <laughs>
1: yes. Technically getting it right is kind of annoying. No, honestly, I'm like, yeah, it looks good enough. And then leave it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now it gets worse when you start dealing with, now making, making changes to a model. If you add, anything like add or subtract any vertices to a model in the case of, or if you delete a face on a model that has like a hair on it. Uh, so in Blender they refer to it as a particle system because that's how hair works there. Um, then it messes up all the, all the hair. You gotta redo all of that. All like,
0: of it just, oh, just, just, could be pretty timely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dang.
1: Um, and there could just be issues where like, Hey, your model sucks. You gotta redo the entire model, like. <laughs> and it's like really the the source the source of all problems could just be your model, like, hey, the, the shoulder doesn't want it to deform properly because you didn't re-topologize it correctly. So you gotta redo the entire shoulder, or mm-hmm. maybe just redo the entire body.
0: Just like, redo the everything um, because you forgot to do one little thing like a week ago.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so things like that, and it's really just like. Well, that's a kind of a mistake that's hard coded. I'll fix it next time.
0: Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: because you're like, I don't know, you're like, all right, new project. Let's get off of this place. We got to do something new. other than going
2: burn out. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, um, we've gone for about an hour and a half now. Oh, dang! I think time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, time flies when 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 you're having fun. Um. I think if you want, you can, uh, well, what, what are, what, what are some of the links? start, start, uh, give me, give me some, some links that, that people can find you at. I want to, I, I want to know your portfolio and <laughs> mine so, um, is, you know, mine's. Yeah. The so mine's <laughs> mine's
1: basically has all my stuff on it right now. Um, I used to have like other social media and I
2: deleted it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I mean I I haven't deleted all my social media just so that like, you know, marketing purposes, I guess, is just yeah, how I how I view it. I I don't really view social media as, you know, a social media. It's just more like, "Oh, how do I get people to see my universe?" Yeah. <laughs> and enjoy it. And not what? talk about what? politics.
1: It's <laughs> too late. It's one too day late. somebody will project politics onto
0: your story. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I gotta project. Oh, that it all that one
1: race to talk about. <laughs> it's exactly like the other race in real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it? Shut up, get out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The issues the issues with our <laughs> current day and age. But um, we, we can find you on minds.com. Slash Zorax, I believe, right? Zorax is is basically your your username for everything that you use, right? Yes.
1: Um, I did. I was using Artful
0: for a little bit. Artful.
1: Yes, that was like a. It's kind of like imagine Instagram, but only for art. Oh. Um, kind of a newer app, but I haven't posted stuff to that recently. I probably should just start posting that again. I don't know. Maybe one of these days I'll go back to like Instagram.
0: Yeah. Instagram has a bunch of ads that just keep popping up for me. And as soon as you, as soon as you say something about something and then, or like search anything on anything, Instagram will find it and then try to give you another ad for it. Probably the same thing that happens on Facebook, but I don't go on Facebook anymore. So,
1: that is why I'm thinking if I ever use Instagram, I'm probably going to run it in like an Android emulator on my computer. But I feel like that would probably, <clears throat> I feel like that probably cuts off all the communication to the rest of my computer. Yeah. Maybe somebody's going to be like, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. <laughs> but, um, I guess running, running it in like, a They'll still find own, a way to, guess,
0: to, to virtual, track you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Running its own virtual box. I feel like it could prevent that. Now I'm also running a VPN. Mm-hmm. That probably helps or I've seen people that are like yeah Facebook always finds out my location I don't know how I'm running a VPN it's bypassing it
0: I think it's I think
1: there's other features on the phone that they can probably figure out I think
0: out. it's 5G it has to be 5G man
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> some people were suggesting I'm like Get, oh getting into about, that conspiracy what, theory, you, you to
1: go? <laughs> some people were suggesting I'm like oh you know should we go back to Twitter and I'm like Uh, i don't know if i go back to twitter i have never (laughs)
0: used twitter so i gotta lie
1: there's a lot of was there was a lot of good japanese artists i was following on twitter
2: yeah
1: some of their stuff has been kind of an inspiration too but i'm like eh, i want to find them now just go on pictures they're probably on there
0: (laughs) yeah
2: Mm -hmm.
0: all right well but yeah uh, thank you for thank you for enlightening me on like the entire pro the entire process of of th- like three D art creation that's that's a lot wow you you are awesome at like the just your 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 determination your persistence on on getting getting these things done like spending three months working on a, like a like a gun to 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 yeah, mold sure. and and develop and and all the characters I bet like those take time like so much time. And I I know like you probably have like the, the the full process down now. So like every single time you get better and better at it and, and the time gets, gets smaller and smaller between, between each creation. But damn, yeah, I'm excited for when you you start doing like some kind of animation with, with your art. And then I want to see where it goes. That'd be amazing.
1: Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm flattered. Um, you know, as far as, you know, as far as the, I guess, multiple characters I do, you know, that, that's another big thing about 3D, is, like, you reuse as many resources as you yes. possibly can. Yeah. Um, As far as, you know, as far as current project goes, I am working on another rifle. Mm. I'm actually working on perfecting the rig for it, and honestly, you know, I actually had to learn programming for this one. Um, I actually have been Developing a whole add-on for trying to like rig these sort of things,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm actually planning to sell that soon. Might go on and sell cool. it on the Blender market. That,
2: that sounds but, cool.
1: Um, yeah, and I might do the same thing with the rifle because, hey, it's fully rigged. Like, that's a lot of a lot of stuff they you don't have to do. Um, but yeah, I'm looking to finish that and probably hook it up with the other character I have. Do you, do you need pictures on that? I never actually sent sent you. In progress photo of that stuff. Uh,
0: you, you can go ahead and send me send me those pictures. I I'll, I'll do my best to feature them.
1: Sure. I actually have. I actually didn't uh. Look like a demonstration animation of how it's looking so far. Yeah. I Any mean, you that, you can probably pull some pictures off that too. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I am. I'm pretty close to finish with that as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And then, well, and I. Then I, I I look presenting. forward. I look forward to everything that you create, and um, thank you for coming on the podcast so much.
1: Uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, and I gotta watch. <laughs> I gotta go back and watch some of your
0: episodes. Honestly. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot. There's there's a lot. So feel free to jump jump around. It is an anthology, of course. So um, there is yeah. kind of an overarching storyline that I'm not sure if people have 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 gotten the hints about it, but that I, I am, pl- I am planting seeds. So that, uh, that that's all I'll tell you. So you could go ahead and, and listen in on some of the conversations that we have, um, as well as like the stories that I tell on, on the podcast. Um, and then this episode is coming out in season three. So, uh, that is coming out October 12th. It, it by the time that it's out right now, it, everyone that's listening, it, it's, it's past October. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk to all
1: those future people. Hello future
0: people. Uh, this is, this, this is, this is our Theodian anthologies. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> but thank you so much. Zorax and, uh, Maybe, maybe next time I'm going to actually start bringing in other artists, and then we can like have a full like discussion table, uh, talking about art and stuff. That's that's something I want to do. So, if you're up for that, um, yeah, you know, I'd be down with it. Cool, cool. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast, and thank you all for listening to our conversation. I thank you for listening to our conversation. If you'd like to hear more guest entries like this one, go over and become a free member at our TheodianAnthologies.com to not miss another episode like this. And if you're interested in becoming a guest yourself, you can fill out an entry form at the site's homepage. Until next time, travelers. Be safe. Stay safe. And if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power.